tell you as your pastor, thank you for praying. I know that you do, uh, and I appreciate you praying for me during these times of uh, the book of Revelation. Um, I hope that you've been coming. If you've not, let me extend an invitation. If you've not been coming on Sunday nights, if you've not been able to be coming or not been coming on Wednesday nights, um, I, I want to extend an invitation to you to come. And the reason I do is that all of you, anybody here, is because on Sunday morning we may talk about a lot of things and I'm going real fast through a lot of different things, but on Sunday night I've been trying to go back and to teach those things. And on Wednesday night, still trying to teach those things. Actually, the first throne room message that we did, we preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night about it and then continued to go. I just want you to see these things. And some of the things we're going to be talking about today is that do angels sing? Uh, a lot of people have opinions about angels, but really you don't need an opinion about an angel. You actually need scripture about angels because too many opinions about angels and worshiping of angels and uh, praising angels and getting this thought in your mind of what angels do and how they are and stuff. We can't go anywhere apart from Scripture to understand this. We have to look at just the Scriptures. And some people say, well, Brother Steve, the, the angels do sing, but I, I disagree with that. Throughout the whole Scriptures, you won't find where those angels ever sing. Even when the heavenly host of angels that were there when they were announcing Jesus' birth, it wasn't that they were singing, it says that they were praising God, heavenly host, and they were saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They had words to say, but that doesn't mean that they are robotic and <clears throat> so-called emotionless because we also know that in heaven we've been talking about those four living creatures that I would believe to be those angelic, you know, uh, in some way, short of words, superheroes, but they're uh, cherubim, uh, those that are appointed by God to do certain things. Uh, looking at them, we know that they worship and they praise God, but when they do, they come out with those songs. They come uh, Not with songs, but come out with those sayings. And so looking at the Scripture this morning, I want you to look with me at Revelation chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse number 9. The Bible says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God by the blood, or thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation says, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. <clears throat> Verse number 11 says, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about uh, the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever. And the four beasts said this, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever. If you were here last Sunday, you'll know that we got actually one point in. I was going to say two. We actually got one point in. We've been talking about Revelation chapter 5, and I'm not going to go all the way back and try to redo any of that because you can understand and go and look at that for yourself. But in those first eight verses, we talked about how that he, had, uh, that he was seated on the throne in chapter 4, said that he had a sealed, uh, sealed up scroll with seven seals within his hand, Talks about that there was a great situation that went on. You remember they were uh, a strong situation that went on. That They said, who is worthy? Then John began to weep because nobody was found worthy. Then one of the elders of the 24 elders said that someone is. 
And it says the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed. And he's overcome what? What did he prevail? He prevailed death, amen. And he conquered sin. And uh, he says he hath prevailed and he's worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And then last Sunday we talked about prayers. And hopefully if you were here Wednesday, you know we continued on that. And we got a little bit even deeper on Wednesday night about the prayers and what the prayers are and offering our prayers and stuff and how that our prayers should be, first of all, aimed toward the Father and they're, they're uh, accessible because of the Son, Jesus Christ, but then they're aided and helped by the Holy Spirit of God. It's what we preach Wednesday and how the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. When we don't know what we should say as we ought, it says then the Holy Spirit of God says maketh intercession for us so with groanings, amen, that sometimes can't be understood and explained because... It's something groaning from the heart. But looking at that, we talked about the satisfaction of the prayers. And I just want you to stop for just a moment and just really think. You know, we're not very many folks. I mean, we're here today, and we're just regular people. We're all pretty much country. We, we try to look as much, you know, as nice as we can. We wear suits and all that stuff, but we're, we're really not that. You know what I mean? We're just regular folks, okay? I want you to think for a moment as those prayers that were coming up before the throne of God. The Bible says, if you've got your Bible, I want you to look back just for a moment. Look back at verse number 7. It says, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. I want you to stop and think for a minute that, minute, that right there, there is, a, there is a stamp, there is a concrete evidence that all the prayers that you pray whether they are prayers from a broken heart, whether they are prayers from a joyful heart, all the prayers that you pray, that is a symbol that they are constantly going up before the Lord. It's a beautiful picture right there that through all those 24 elders, the representatives of Old Testament and New Testament, believers in Christ, believers in God and believers in Christ, that there they are with their prayers. All of those prayers of the children of Israel when they were underneath the bondage, of those Egyptians, church, I believe, is in that incense that's going up to God. They're going to be answered. All of the prayers that we pray, Lord, hallowed be thy name, you know, thy kingdom come, your will be done in heaven, uh, in earth as it is in heaven. Those are the prayers that are going up. Those prayers that we're offering to God constantly. I think about a song by Karen Peck and them that they sing whispered prayers. Even those prayers that you can't get the words out and that you whisper. I think about a song by the Henson family that Ronnie Henson wrote, that there's power in prayer, power to spare. All that you ever need is waiting right there. With just a child's faith, amen, that there's power in prayer. Every prayer that we pray, we've got to know this. Church, you need to understand this. Every prayer you pray is going up to the Father. Every time. Every prayer that we pray. Now, James taught, as we've understood this past Wednesday, that sometimes we don't have the answer that we want because we're asking in the wrong way. We ask amiss in order just to heap those things upon our own pleasures and lust. But every prayer that we pray, listen, I know that some of you have may, been, may have been duped by the devil at sometimes to make you think that your prayers are not being heard and your prayers are not being answered. You ever prayed for a loved one? You ever prayed for someone that you loved so much or a dear friend and you've prayed and said, God, please touch them, please heal them, and you didn't see that happen in your own sight here but understanding that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. 
It's hard to understand those things. And sometimes Satan kind of jumps, jumps on top of you and wants to go, oh, God's not hearing you. Where's your God in these moments? And all he's trying to do is just mimic what happened in 1 Kings chapter 18 where Elijah told the prophets of Baal that maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe your God is asleep. Maybe you need to wake him up. Maybe you need to shout a little louder. Maybe you need to take those stones and cut yourselves a little more. And he was just getting all and all and all. Listen, Satan just wants to try to come at you and say, God's not listening to you. Can I tell you today that God is? God's not listening to you on behalf of how good you are either. God's not listening to your prayers as though you're the 16th caller, you're the next in line, Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? God's not listening to your prayers going, well, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, or I can't hear you. Listen, the only thing that hinders our prayers, the Bible teaches us, the only thing that hinders our prayers is sin. The hindrance of our prayers is, is that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord, Brother Mitch, will not hear me. And so when we come before the Lord, what do we do? We should come automatically, first of all, praising Him for who He is, but then confessing our sins and telling Him, Lord, please forgive me. And I'm going to tell you something. One of the best prayers that will always be answered in your life, I heard a preacher say this week, one of the most effective prayers that will always be answered every single time you pray as a believer is this, Lord, reveal unto me any unconfessed sin. Try it. Try it, and He will. He will show you, amen? But these prayers are going up. So in your study notes last Sunday, you went home. I actually added just a little bit in there, and I asked you to say, what's one of the prayers, or what's some of the prayers that you've prayed that you think are a part of that Scripture in chapter number 5, verses 7 and 8, where they're going up into the Lord? What are those prayers? Is it, was it a prayer for your daddy? Was it a prayer for your mom? Or was it a prayer for your son or daughter who's away from the Lord, and now they have found Christ finally? Is it a prayer of healing and you know that God has touched you, know that God has done something great for you? Whatever it is, church, look at it. It is revealed right there that in heaven that's what's happening. When we gather for prayer meeting on Wednesday night and when we even have a prayer team that gathers even before our Wednesday night services, and they gather in the back and there's a list that seems like a mile long and it's growing and growing. Prayer lists grow all the time, all the time. They're spiritual requests that are on that prayer list there's somebody that's saying pray for this person that i know that's lost and they need jesus there's somebody on there that's needing a touch healing of their body and they're on that list many many people are on that list because of physical ailments and other things i want you to know i want you to be encouraged and be reminded today peter said i'm always supposed to stir you up i want to bring you into remembrance to stir you up that brother john when you pray you pray in the name of Jesus Christ through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, He hears you. He is receiving all of those prayers, and it's coming up to Him as a great incense. And then all of a sudden, this Sunday, we move into something else. Because of everything that's happening, everything that's going on. You remember chapter 4? Let's walk back just for a moment to chapter 4. You remember chapter 4? There's God the Father. As He is on the throne, He is described as two stones, one that is hard, one that is fiery red, talking about his government will stand forever, his words will not be removed, but also his judgment is fiery and that he is a consuming fire. Do you remember that those four living creatures, as they are praising God, they are actually reflecting the image of God, they're actually reflecting back to him through that face, the face of the, the man, the face of the calf, the face of the lion, the face of the eagle that's flying, all of those things. And, and, and they're facing and they're glorifying Him. And then those 24 elders that come over there, they're praising God and they're saying, Worthy, 
You are worthy because you have created. It says in the word of God, thou art worthy because thou hast created. That's what they're telling God the Father. You're worthy because of all of your wonderful works. You have created all things. Not only are they speaking about you created mountains and valleys in the palm of your hands, as the writer says in the Old Testament. Not only is he talking about that you form dust out of the earth, uh, excuse me, you form man out of the dust of the earth. That's not all that he's talking about when they're saying you are worthy because you have created. But they're also saying, Brother Butch, that you have created even law that helps us to understand right from wrong. You created a way when there was no way, amen. You created all of these things. You created and devised a great and glorious plan of salvation. And all of heaven is rejoicing. And they're all saying this stuff over and over. And Brother Nick, all of a sudden, while they're saying this stuff, and these, these angelic beings are saying these things about you are worthy because you have created. You are worthy, worthy, worthy. And they were saying, what else? You are holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the one that was and is and is to come. All of a sudden, the elders, the believers of all times, began to get excited, Brother John, and they got up from the thrones as they were sitting there, amen, and as they were sitting on, among thrones, and, and the Bible says they get up and they have these crowns of gold that, are, that Paul described as righteousness, crowns of righteousness that the Scripture describes as a crown of life, amen. It, it, is, it is described as a crown of glory that fades not away, and they take those crowns off and they they lay them down right there at the feet in the throne room. Then we move into chapter 5. And this is why it's been so good and why it's been so difficult to get through all this. We move to chapter number 5. And we see right in the middle of every bit of that. Someone who we didn't see in chapter 4. Because we might have been looking for something else. But you remember the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. And John turned and he saw a lamb standing as it had been slain. He said it was a standing lamb, and it looked as though it had been slain. And it says, now all of heaven takes that, that worship. And Brother Craig, they take that worship, and now we're kicking it up an octave. You know, I told Patty this morning, she was singing that song, I, I want to know how it feels. She said, I'm going to have to say that last, getting high part on there, like kicking it up till the end. I can't do it twice. I said, no, do it. You know, like that. It's called in your music books. It's called a crescendo. Uh, in in Mayberry terminology, it's what we're going to call it now. It, it's when Barney had the cymbals and went. You know what I mean? Even if he did it at the wrong timing, he was still ready, and it was like boom. And it, that's what all of a sudden. And I'm trying my best to contain my flesh, but all of a sudden in heaven, in chapter five, the whole tempo. The whole praise, the whole worship of an almighty God, a Father who is seated on the throne, is now crescendoed and taken to another level. It's taken to another level because what happens is, is now you have a Father who sits upon the throne. He is a spirit, and all that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But then all of a sudden, when you see a lamb standing as though it had been slain, now you have connected all people of earth to heaven. You have now connected what many people want to call Jacob's ladder, but it ain't Jacob's ladder that people are climbing up on. It is the Son of God. His name is Jesus Christ is the way that we go to heaven. And now you have all of that connected. And listen, 
All of a sudden, those who have died as believers in God, the whole people just begin to kick it up another notch. You know what I mean? It's almost as if you're going to that 4th of July fireworks show. And you know you're waiting for it. If you've ever been to one before, you're waiting for those last two or three minutes. Why do you wait for those last two or three minutes? You tell people, don't leave right now. Don't, don't leave right now. They're playing my homers in Alabama. You know what I mean? Alabama's singing. You don't want to leave at this time. You know, Lee Greenwood's about to bust something out. Don't leave just yet. And all of a sudden, when they start doing those songs, and then the military songs come on. You know, when the military songs come on, then it all starts just going crazy, and firework is going everywhere. That's what's happening in heaven. And I wish that it would happen here on earth. I wish that the saints would understand what's going on because it's because of the saints of God that singing is going on in heaven. Listen, look with me at verse number 9 one more time. The Bible says, And they sung a new song, saying this, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The Bible says the singing of the saints took place. You know, the Gaithers wrote a song a while back. I don't even know if they wrote it, but they used to sing it all the time. But it was, uh, please let me sing in the choir, in the choir, you know. Always talking about this guy that couldn't sing. Probably went to North Holland. And uh, couldn't sing, and choir wouldn't let him sing because he was always off key and off note and off timing and stuff. And he always wanted to sing in the choir, you know. And he'd tell him, please let me sing in the choir. Someday, someday the saint of God is going to get to sing. Someday, listen, someday when you get rid of this flesh, see, the problem that we have here, Brother Mitch, is the flesh. The flesh gets too much in the way. The flesh gets all in the way. You, you know what I'm talking about. You, you hear people singing and they, they can't. I mean, let's not lie about it. They can't. And you hear it and you go, Lord, Lord, please bless them. Oh, Lord, just in the middle of their song, please bless them with, with some notes <laughs> and a singing voice. But they're singing to the Lord. Our flesh often gets in the way. Let me say something to you that think, I can't sing, and I'm not a good singer and stuff like that. When we actually put off this flesh, this mortal junk that we hold, this baggage that we have, and we're before our great God and Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and you're singing and you're praising the way that we are intended to do, it's not going to be about the voice. It's not going to be about the vocal cords. It's not going to be about the notes that you can hold or you can't hold or that you can hit or can't hit. It's going to be about that when you sing, it's an act of worship. How many of you remember when your children, if you had children, if, when they were real little, you know, when they're about a year old, getting into terrible twos and stuff like that, you know, they, when they talk, when they begin to talk, it's like you look at them and go, I, I, I don't know what they're saying. You know what I mean? Even some of them grow up and you still can't understand what they're saying. And you're looking at them and you're going, I know they're trying to say something, but I don't know what it is. It's like, blah, 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 blah. I love it, love it when you get the little kids to sing. We can hold up Margo sometimes and me and Patty will go, if I was a bumblebee, I'd drill a hole in your belly. And the next time she goes, you know, and you're like, I think she's singing it. You know, we don't know. She could be singing a Willie Nelson song. We don't know what it is. But in your mind, you would like to go, there's nothing greater 
is there Adam or Angie? You would know, but Brandon or Mary, Brian, Ashley, Nick, the Burns family. That when you're maybe cooking or you're relaxing from a hard day, hard day work, and you hear the kids when they're little and they're in there just singing some song and they just made it up. They just make it up and they're just in there singing. And nowadays everybody's got a phone and you go in there and you try to try to film and stuff and. You embarrass them by putting it on Facebook, and you know, and later on you'll use it for their senior years and stuff like that, you know. And uh, but what are they doing? They don't care about the words. They don't care about how it sounds. You know why? Because they're not singing to you. No, they're just singing. There's a joy that comes out of singing. When people are excited, when people have joy and they have peace, they sing. They do. When you have that joy and you have that peace. You sing, let them sing. If there's any sick among you, then let them come and let's pray for them. But if you are happy, then let them sing and let, them co- let that praise come out. The Bible says that all of a sudden, these 24 elders, there are some people that look at this and go, Brother Steve, are these living creatures? It says these four living creatures and the 24 elders had harps and golden vials full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And it says, and they sung a new song. When it talks about they singing a new song, I look at the scripture, and I hope that I can help you today to see this. I look at the scripture and see that it's not those living creatures, angelic beings that are doing that because I've never read, and I can't be dogmatic about it, but we've never read in scripture that angels do sing. We're going to see in a moment what the angels actually do, but in looking at this and understanding this passage of scripture, I think it's very safe for us to say that it is the 24 elders. It is the representatives of those who have been redeemed. And you say, well, Brother Steve, you can't really be that way, but let's look at what they're singing. Look at their song. The song that they begin to sing, first of all, is a new song. It's a song about redemption. But the second thing it says is, you are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou hast slain and hast redeemed us to God. If you look at that, you got to know that there are no angels that are redeemed. When the angels were created, they were created a certain amount of number of angels that were created, and there were some that were fallen, had fell, and they are demons is what we would call them now. But looking at that, they cannot be redeemed. There is no demon that could be saved. There's no demon that could be redeemed. It's not in the Scriptures. You won't find it there. And so songs that are sung about being redeemed unto God have to be sung by those people who have been redeemed. And that's what separates separates you from being an angelic being and I know that you think well we're going to go to heaven and we're going to grow wings and, and, and the day that so and so passed away they got their wings and all that but that takes away from the whole total message that you have received. You have received the message that you are a frail and a failed creature. You are under the condemnation of sin and death and you need saving. You need redemption and because you have been redeemed now those of you that were created by God and in the presence of God who were separated from God because of your sin because of Jesus now you are redeemed. There's redemption that's taken place and Jesus has brought you back to God Almighty. It says that there is one mediator and it's Jesus Christ who has made a way for man and woman to come to God. And in the scriptures, this song actually says, Brother Mitch, that it says you're worthy to open the book and open the seals. You were slain and you have redeemed us to God. Now look at this, by thy blood. Now here is really 
What stamps this together? Look at these next four words that are on here. Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. That does not deal with angels. Every one of those descriptions deal with flesh and us down here. You, can you see what's happening in heaven? It's the fireworks show. It's not Alabama singing and it ain't Lee Greenwood. No, it's the people of God that are singing that have been saved. It's the family of God, those that are born again. And church, this chapter right here, chapter 5, is a prelude to actually what is going to take place all through heaven for all eternity. It's actually a glimpse showing us of what's going to be going on. And we are going to be singing praises unto the Lord out of every kindred, out of every tongue, out of every people, and every nation. Look at the next thing it says. In the part of this song where we go to the second chorus, he says, and you've made us unto our gods kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. No angel becomes king. No angel becomes priest. None. Listen, there are people out there today that they call themselves a Christian group of people. And they actually declare that Jesus is an angel. They say that Jesus is Michael the archangel. And I want to tell you that that's wrong. The Bible says that he is, has the preeminence above all creation. The Bible says that angels are created. Colossians 1 says all things were created by Him, Jesus Christ, and all things consist by Him. So listen, Jesus is not an angel. He is the Son of God who created all things. And so what happens is this right here is that when we believe Christ, when we trust Him as Savior, when we say that Jesus is Lord and we declare Him the Lord of our life, Listen, he says, you will sit with me in my throne. And I will sit with my Father in his throne. And you look at that and you go, well, what does that mean? What he's talking about is not we're all going to be sitting together. Now, I know there's some ladies in here that we talk about it. And, you know, I've I got to be honest with you. As a man, I never really climbed up in daddy's lap. And if I did, I was really, really little. And that stopped as soon as I understood the uncomfortable and awkwardness of it all. I love my daddy. Don't get me wrong. You know what, and my mom, you know, if I did, it had to be when I was little. And that had to stop pretty quick, too, because I was like 72 pounds when I was born. So, you know, that had to stop. And she's like small as everything. <clears throat> and I know that we talk about climbing up into the arms of the Lord. I understand that. Oh, man, I can't wait to see him. Can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see the lamb standing as though he'd been slain. Well, I want to say something to you about that we will sit with him in his throne and he will sit with his father in his throne. What that's talking about is simply this right here. It sums up in all of our country understanding is that God told his son, everything that I have is yours. You accomplished my will. All that I have is yours. Jesus says, you trust in me. You believe in me. All that I have, you also have access to. What that means is everything that Jesus is in the father is everything that we are in the Father because of Jesus. Man, that, that, that can't simply just be a, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like pick podium up, throw it across the room kind of good, amen? Everything that we have, he says, and he's made us unto our God, kings and priests. Listen, who were nobodies? God's taken all through history, nobodies, sinners, this book right here does not glorify any man but one. Every man and woman that's in this book are carnal, fleshly, and sinful. Even when you get to Josiah and think about him ruling at seven years old as a king of Israel, 
<clears throat> never turning to the right or to the left hand to do anything contrary to God, he still needed redemption. Everyone in this book, people like Boaz, people like Ruth, a Moabitess, people like David, an adulterer, people like Samson, people like Saul, people all through the scriptures right here, people like Rahab that was not known as Rahab, but Rahab the harlot was tagged to her name. All of these people, all of them, says because we come to God, all of us New Testament believers, because we come to Christ, come to God through Christ, Brother John, it says that He has made us kings and priests. Made us. He did the work. He did the transforming. There's nothing that we can do that makes us better Christian, greater Christian, in, in the terms of levels. Only thing that we do is study the Word of God, take it in, pray and communicate Commune, fellowship with the Lord every single day as much as you can. Understanding this, that when God saved you, He already put you there and He already established you as who you are. What is that? Kings and priests. He took nobodies and made you into a somebody. He saved you. And it's so, so, so difficult today to look at people that are supposed to be kings and priests, priestesses, princesses for God, that take the name of God and drag Him through the mud. There are a lot of people that don't dress like kings and priests. I'm not talking about in royal regalness, but I'm talking about even in the presentation of your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. So many times, so many times I look at Christians, they say that they're saved. You turn around and hear all these other ungodly things about them. You see all these ungodly things about them. Brother Steve, don't judge me. I'm not. I'm just trying to help. I'm not trying to be ugly or to be mean. I'm just trying to tell you that you are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. You are a king. You are a priest of God. You are a representative of our Lord and Savior. You are the ones that are supposed to be. Look at, look at me, church. Hey, turn those things off. If they don't work, turn them off. Man, we're so distracted. We're so distracted today. A baby gets up, we can't even focus on Jesus. TVs go on and off. They do. Things happen. We got to focus, church. We got to really understand what we're here today for. Listen, this is not to be mean and to be ugly or to be rude. But what, when are we going to look and say, you know what, I'm a a child of God. I am a king. And a king doesn't sit down at the bar drinking all night. And a princess doesn't flaunt around and show the body off to everyone. No, they don't. They don't do that. And listen, young people don't get mad at me about that. I'm just trying to help you. When I first met Patty and we first started dating, even still today, she, she hardly wears anything. She's like... she. Turtlenecks sometimes are like, is this too low? No, no, ma'am, it's not. Do you know why? Because when we got married, she said, this is yours. I came out on the better end of the deal on that. Because, I mean, I can't look at her and go, well, this is yours.
But if the Lord was to see you on Friday as well as He sees you today, are you willing to say, Lord, this is yours? Because you can't be flaunting every way, everything out and being drunk all the time, doing all that other ungodly things and say, Lord, this is yours. Because He looks and says, I don't desire you to be that way. He looks at you and says, Son, don't you know that you're a king? And you're a priest? Don't you know that I saved you to be a king and a priest? Daughter, don't you know that I saved you to be a royal example of who I am? And not to always think about yourself. He has saved us, redeemed us to do that. And it causes us to do what? To sing. You know what the last thing is? I'm going to give you this note. The last thing is, is listen to the shouts that are going on in heaven. All of a sudden, the singing begins to happen. The singing begins to happen. I want you to listen. There's an old song we used to sing a long time ago at a camp meeting. And it would say, Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now ransomed from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. The second verse would say, Saved by the blood of the crucified one. The angels rejoicing because it is done. A child of the Father, I'm joint heir with the Son. Because I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. The Father he spake, and his will it was done. A great price for my pardon was his own precious Son. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All praise to the Father. All praise to the Son. All praise to the Spirit, the great three in one. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. All of a sudden in those camp meetings, people would start singing out and they would say, Saved, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Saved, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. All of heaven starts that, that rejoicing, that singing. Worship is happening. 24 elders, representation of believers who have been redeemed. All of a sudden, they start joining in and singing. All of a sudden, they have left their robes of flesh and they are in heaven, and they're not worried about who's hitting the alto and who's hitting the soprano. They are coming together, and they're singing, and heaven is actually stirring up. And then all of a sudden, look with me in the last part of this scripture. Look in verse number 11. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. If you don't know how many that is, let me sum it up for you. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and there was a lot of them. A lot of them. And look at what it says. Saying with a loud voice. All of a sudden, pop, the people of God that's been redeemed are singing, and it stirred up the angels because the Bible says that even the angels desire to look into the things of salvation. 
The Bible says that the angels look into the redemption of the people. It says that they desire to look at it. They're intrigued by people being saved. And all of a sudden, as the people of God that are saved are singing, and I don't know if it's glory unsaved or if it's holy, 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 or, 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 or Lord, we come to you, or whatever it is, or amazing grace, and they're singing, and Brother Brandon, they are giving their voices to God. All of a sudden, ten thousands of ten thousands and thousands of thousands of angels all of a sudden, say with a loud voice. They don't go, you know what, this is good. Do y'all see this? This is good. It says they say with a loud voice. Look at what it says in verse number 12. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are as in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Listen, we're going to close with this. We're going to close it just a minute. Just hang with me. The Bible says... They said with a loud voice, Brian, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Heaven, its tempo and its crescendo has kicked up a notch. It moved from worthy, you are worthy because you've created, to now worthy are you because you were slain. Now they've moved into praising a creator to now they're praising a victor. They're praising a, a, a great conqueror. And all of a sudden, when heaven begins to do that, the people of God begin to sing. And they're praising God through singing a song that even the angels can't even sing. And as they're doing that, the Bible says the angels are so overwhelmed with it. Thousands, ten thousands and ten thousands, at times a thousand and thousand, a lot of them, a whole lot of them. All of them get so excited that they say with a loud voice, Worthy! Amen. I used to go preaching revival meetings, and man, it was a lot of people, a lot of older people. One guy, he got saved. He was a hell's angel biker. This dude was rough. He was from Mississippi. Okay. He wasn't Brandon. He had nine kids, and he wasn't the Burns. Had nine kids. He just baptized the last one. All of them come in. The guy had tattoos all over his back. The man had a suit on. He was excited. And then a, a dignified Southern Baptist preacher, as myself, was standing up preaching behind the pulpit. The guy got so excited he couldn't stop shouting. He was going, Worthy! Worthy! He just kept saying it over and over and over. He reminded me of Farley with a towel on the sidelines. Worthy! And they were that, that dignified Southern Baptist preacher, just as myself, he's he, he sat there and didn't know what to do. Terrified. Man was going, he's worthy. People were praising the Lord. And listen, one preacher had to go and explain to this preacher what was going on. And I was like, man, you've never been excited before? you never worshipped God before? And the preacher had to tell him he has nine children and he just baptized the last one, amen. And he said, well, hang on a second. I'll close my Bible and get back and let him just keep going. Man come over there, opened his Bible, tried to preach again. The boy jumped up again and said, Where are they? It's praising God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? It's going to be so much better than what we know in this flesh. It's going to be so much better than a ball game where we get so excited and we shout until we don't have a voice anymore. It's going to be so great. But look at what they say, and I'm going to close. I promise I'm going to close. I'm going to eat a sandwich. Look at verse 12. Please look at your Bible if you got it. 
Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to do what? To receive power. Receive power. The angels look into the salvation message. It says they desire to look into these things. Now the angels in heaven say, you're worthy. Lamb that was slain to receive power. You know why, Brother Adam? Because they saw Jesus as he left the glories of heaven and left his power and could not comprehend why he would go and humble himself and be in somewhat sense of powerlessness on this earth. That he would come and to do that. Why would he allow these soldiers to grab his body and beat him across his back? Why would he allow this pilot to do this thing and have him crucified? Why would he do that? But now they said, you're worthy, lamb that was slain, to receive power. They said it is brought back. Jesus said after he resurrected. Amen. Don't you know your Bible? He says after he was resurrected, he met with the disciples. And what did he say? He said, all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth now. Amen. Go therefore, baptizing them, teaching them in, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And well, I'll be with you always, even in the end of the age. Amen. End of the world. He had power restored. They said, you're worthy. You've got power. Look at the second thing. They says, you got riches. Can't understand why Jesus would leave all the riches all of what heaven held and all that it had for him and to become poor, Brother Mitch, beggarly. Jesus said foxes have holes. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Why would he leave a place in heaven to come to an earth, Charlie, to become poor, to become lonely? Why would he do that? The angels now understand in heaven and they say, you're worthy. Of all riches. The reason Jesus is worthy of all power is because why? He yielded up his power in order to die for our sins. The reason that he is worthy of all riches, Brother Butch, is because why? He gave up all riches to become poor so that when he became poor, you may be rich in him. Amen. Listen, the Bible says that you're worthy to receive wisdom. Wisdom, what do you mean? When Jesus was on this earth, Jacob, they laughed at him and mocked him and they declared him to be a fool. But the Bible tells us now what? It says, by the foolishness of the preaching of the Word of God, men and women are saved. The Bible says God's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen? And so the angels now say this, you're worthy to receive wisdom. You're worthy to receive strength. You're worthy to receive honor. You're worthy to receive glory and blessings. And then the Bible says, this is what's going to happen. This is a prelude to all, all eternity in every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. He said, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Philippians says, all knees shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And look at what those four living creatures said in verse 14. Amen. They said, Amen. What do you, wonder what that's all about. All this is going on in heaven. A huge crescendo of worship. And those four living creatures that reflect God Observe all of this stuff. And Brother Craig, the greatest words they could come up with, they said, Amen. Amen. You go in church, serve your sitting. You're a brand new Christian. When you first start coming, you hear all these people in the crowd going, Amen, or bless him, Lord. 
and you go, what is wrong with these people? What is wrong with these people? Why do they, why they say amen all the time? Why somebody do that? Well, first of all, if they moaned and went, mm, all the time, they'd grunt themselves to death. They've got to say something. You know what they're doing? Amen is saying, I agree. But it's not just saying, I agree with my mouth. It is saying, I agree with the will, the plan, everything. Amen. Those four living creatures say amen. But then what happens at the end, the Bible says, and all of a sudden, the 24 elders, they fell down and worshiped him that live forever and ever. Someday we'll get to see him. Someday we'll take all this other stuff off and we'll get to see him. Here's my question to you today. What would your song be? I ask you what your prayer would be. What would your song be? If you were to sit down and say, Lord, I just want to sing to you, what would it be? You know, there's writers, they, they, they start out and they go, Brother Clay, I, I could sing of your love forever. You know, the writer that pinned down Amazing Grace, verse 3, my favorite, your grace has led me this far and it will lead me on. What would it be? I like that song, Farther Along, we'll know all about it. Farther Along, we'll understand why. I like the song, In the Sweet By and By. What would your song be to the Lord? What would you say to Him today? Church, after hearing all of this about the throne room, will you please just take a moment of your time today to put yourself there? Take a moment of your time to put yourself there. And if Jesus was standing in front of you, or actually you were standing in front of him today, what would you do? What would you tell him? You know, you've you got a whole lot of time today to do the things that you want. You have a lo whole lot of time to go and share a meal, do whatever you want. Just for one moment, just in a moment of prayer, what would you say to him? What would you tell him? Would it only be about your situation? Or would you realize the situation that you're in when you pray and when you sing? Now, Brandon, leading the music here for years, has always tried to tell the choir and all of us, when you sing, we're singing to the Lord. If you'd ever stop for one moment and realize when you're singing a hymn song, even if it's not your favorite, you're singing it to the Lord. If you'd stop for a moment that even when we pray over the offering, Brian's not praying in order for all you to hear him. He's praying to the Lord. So what would you tell the Lord today? If you would, let's bow our heads for a moment. Let's stand. Father, we love you. Lord, we ask you to please be with us. Please speak to us this morning. And I pray that the church would take just time just to come and talk to you this morning. Lord, I pray that everyone would find some place somewhere they would just be able to speak to you, understanding what the throne room will be like. They wouldn't wait and reserve it all until they supposedly, they're all going to get to heaven and then do it. But they did do it now. God, I ask you that you'd help us. In the name of Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you, please. Look, I know not all of you can kneel. If you can't kneel, you just sit there at your pew sit down right there at your pew and talk to the Lord but if you can come if you can make that step of response and step out and come there's plenty of room at the altar here this morning just to come and not not to say Lord I need this I need this do this, do this 
just to come and say, Lord, this is my song to you this morning. This is my prayer this morning. Take the time to do that. Come to Jesus.